You're listening to the Body Literacy Podcast, your connection to the art and science of feeling really good body, mind, and spirit. I'm your host and holistic health coach, Jen Mayo. If you've never experienced truth and freedom inside your body, an amazing adventure is about to begin. Healing happens in community. Body literacy is your tribe. Join me in discovering the keys to fearlessly unlocking your body's innate intelligence and resilience. Turn on to the wisdom of your body as we connect your wellness dots by exploring whole person healing from neuroscience and nutrition to sexual health and sleep. Join the wellness revolution and start speaking your body's language. Before we get started, I wanted to introduce you to the most profound and impactful piece of health technology I've encountered in three decades of navigating my own health challenges. LifeWave is a wearable health technology that uses your own light energy to optimize your health. If you've followed the Body Literacy Podcast for any period of time, you likely already know that I'm a bit of a walking science experiment. I have a passion for exploring how time-honored ancient healing arts can be coupled with modern science and technology to optimize our health, wellness, and vitality, and how we can empower ourselves with the knowledge and optimization of our own onboard wisdom and healing potential rather than viewing the human body as a problem to be solved. LifeWave's phototherapy patches use light to stimulate the body's natural healing systems. By applying LifeWave's non-transdermal patches to specific points on the body similar to acupressure, where the patch covers the skin, infrared light emitted from the body is reflected back into the tissue, stimulating specific regions of the brain and tapping into the body's own flow of energy and the ability to heal itself. LifeWave patches are not intended to treat any specific condition or disease, but rather support the body's own innate healing mechanisms. When we take a holistic approach to health and consider there is really only one state of dis-ease in the body imbalance, rather than the 32,000 diseases defined by conventional medicine, rebalancing the body and supporting our own built-in capacity to heal becomes a journey of ease rather than a frustrating and disempowering struggle to control dis-ease. Energy medicine operates by a different set of rules than material medicine. I talk about experience-based medicine a lot, and LifeWave is simply a therapy you have to take for a test drive to feel the benefits for yourself. To learn more or try them out, just visit genmayo.com LifeWave. On this episode of the Body Literacy Podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Jerry Rivera Duhenio. Jerry is an inventor and philanthropist with a doctorate in natural medicine from the International Quantum University for Integrative Medicine in Honolulu, Hawaii. Jerry specializes in advanced scalar and plasma energy technologies, quantum morphogenetic field physics, and the larger paradigm of science known as the 15-dimensional unified field physics. He has lectured and presented his research findings at Fran Drescher's Health Summit, the Conference on Physics, Chemistry and the Biology of Water, the Best Answer for Cancer Conferences, and Autism One. Jerry is the founder and president of Bioregenesis University, the Bioregenesis Experience, and president of the G.C. Rivera Foundation, a nonprofit medical surgical autism organization. Jerry shares with us a near-death experience that has shaped the direction of his work, as well as new technology he is pioneering in quantum healing. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad it worked out. So we were originally supposed to do this interview a month ago, and I had not had the chance to use your Rasha device that we're going to talk about a little bit later. 
it worked out really well because I was going on our road trip and I ended up being able to connect with Dr. Vanessa, I think at the GFC Wellness Center outside of Pittsburgh. And she was kind enough to open up her facility for me to come out and try it, even though they were closed. So I was able to to reroute part of a, a road trip I was going on with my children to do that. And I'm really glad I did. So I'll share a little bit more of that experience later, but okay. you have a really interesting background and likewise, you have a lot of really interesting information that's kind of on the heavy side, especially for anybody who's not super familiar with quantum physics. Mm -hmm. Most of us maybe aren't quite in that realm. And I think my job here is to try to find people like you and help ask the right questions to make the really cool information that you have more accessible and digestible to the average consumer or patient or whoever that's mm. out there. So I think that we're kind of in the space right now in the world where our understanding of medicine and healing has really gotten very, very confined to this materialistic worldview box. And there's all these other things outside of that that have wonderful potential for creating root cause healing, but most people don't know about them or don't have access to the resources to really understand how those work. So my hope is that we can kind of unpack some of your knowledge in a way that's digestible for curious people who maybe don't have a scientifically trained background. So let's just get starting with the beginning of your story. I'm really fascinated with people who have had near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. You might have a different way of articulating that, but I think the level of wisdom that people come back from experiences like that is beyond fascinating at times. Can you tell us about the experience that you had that landed you where you are today? Sure, sure. So it really all began when I was nine years old, when I was sexually molested over a period of a year okay. from uh, at an all boys private school yeah yeah and from that point on i didn't really know who to trust i felt you know i was confused as a child mm -hmm. so growing up i didn't know how to really deal with with that so for most of my teenage and going into my high school, uh, university, I turned to drugs as an escape. Okay. So for most of my adult life, I mean, geez, I'd say several decades, mm -hmm. I sought escape through any type of drug or alcohol, any type of addiction mm -hmm. that could help me leave my body. I was yeah. all for that. Right. Until one day, September 10th of 2000, I really just had enough. I was like, all right, I'm, I, I'm tired, physically tired, you know, consciously tired. So I went on a 24-hour bender of heroin, cocaine, barbiturates, ecstasy, alcohol. Wow. Yeah. So that didn't go well then. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, yeah, it, it okay. From my from my physical body, but from my consciousness, okay, it went really well, Jen. Okay. So, okay, yeah, and I had a heart attack, and I slumped over. I popped out. My consciousness popped out of my head. Okay, so I had an outer body experience first. So I was staring, mm -hmm. looking down at my body, at like a forty-five degree angle, about two to three feet above my head. Okay. But I was still conscious. I was still aware. Uh -huh. 
I had 360 degree awareness, but I'm looking, I'm staring at my body slumped over as it's turning blue from lack of oxygen. Oh, geez. Yeah. Right. So the moment I asked the internal question, who am I? Because if I'm looking at my physical body down here, (laughs) who am I? I was immediately, let's say, uploaded or removed from this three-dimensional realm, if you will. Okay. Okay. So it was like if you were doing a software upgrade in a computer or your phone. Okay. You replace the old software with new software. However, in that, let's say, momentary midway between coming back I mean, leaving and coming back, you know, I didn't see any white light tunnels. Okay. I, bu- I, I bypassed, let's say, that phase. I went into a completely all-knowing field of energy. So to me, energy is information and energy is consciousness. So in that space, you know everything. You know, but I was able to like when people die or they have near death experiences, they say they know everything Mm -hmm. to some degree, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have any belief systems. I didn't have a specific religion. I was raised Catholic, but I didn't, I wasn't a practicing, you know, I wasn't practicing any type of religion. So I didn't have any filters and beliefs to guide what I was going to experience. Yeah. Okay. So I was able to just experience our true nature, which is energy or, or consciousness. Okay. And it's a field of information. So I didn't even just know who I was prior to coming into my mother's womb. I knew where I came from, mm-hmm. right? I knew what my purpose was. And I was reminded that I had a, I signed up for, you know, what I was supposed to do and mm-hmm. I hadn't finished yet. So, okay. My old, my prior consciousness that was, that experienced the sexual abuse, that experienced all the drug-fueled sex addiction, everythings, Mm -hmm. that left, and then higher parts of my consciousness came back in to complete my, let's say, contract. Okay. So I call it Jerry 2.0. Okay. That's awesome. That makes sense. And I'll back up just a little bit too. I mostly work with women who've experienced sexual trauma and also have either diagnosed or symptoms of chronic disease. Mm -hmm. And I think there is something on a spiritual realm that is very different about being violated sexually Mm -hmm. than say hurting your thumb or your elbow or something. There's an assault there, Mm -hmm. creates an energetic something or other that's just very different than other types of injuries. So do you feel like that significantly played into how you were led into your, you know, addictions leading up to that point? You know, from firsthand experience of being sexually abused, it is a really, it is a vampiring of not just energy, Mm -hmm. right? From the perpetrator is just violating that person and the child sexually, but they're vampiring energy. But more importantly, there is a, there is something going on in the DNA of that attacker that needs to, let's say, extract morphogenetic information for whatever it is, whatever the reason may be. So it's a feeding process. 
And right. that feeding process being like in the movies, right? Mm-hmm. You see the movies with the vampires, right? Vampires. Right. Vampire feeds on someone. Mm-hmm. That someone then becomes a vampire themselves. themselves yeah. They start feeding. So it's kind of like that because I started feeding on chemical substances. Mm-hmm. I was feeding. I, was, I became an energetic vampire, right. but I was doing it in different ways. Okay. All Not right. just sexual. Right, right, right. And I appreciate your sharing that because I think there's definitely a much bigger stigma with regards to men and sexual abuse that prevents many from seeking help or even acknowledgement of those experiences. So I think you're sharing that will maybe give others permission to open up to, to seeking help for that. But so you came back from this experience with sort of an upgraded consciousness, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So correct. what what can you tell me? What does consciousness have to do with root cause healing? And what I think I've heard you use the term quantum medicine before. What does that mean? Mm. Well, if you try to address whether it's a mental, emotional, physical pathology in the body, mm-hmm. And you try to address it without consciousness. You just do use whatever nutraceutical, whatever great, whatever great healing modality or technology. If it doesn't, if the equation does not include consciousness, mm-hmm. it's bound to have a regression or fail. Right. Consciousness is the foundation of not just healing, but life itself. And mm-hmm. everyone, we're not taught that. You know, especially doctors and scientists aren't taught that at all. They they come from a reverse model and theory and perspective of everything is matter first and then energy. Right. But that's erroneous because th- those people haven't experienced death mm-hmm. and they haven't experienced their true nature, which is consciousness or energy, which mm-hmm. is both synonymous. Mm-hmm. So I laugh. I, I kind of just chuckle when someone, you know, wants to argue with me that their experiments do not support my proposition. It's because they're looking at it on a 3D level, right? They're not looking at it from a multidimensional aspect. And it's something that we need to adopt, right? We need to shift our thinking and our perspective to a multidimensional perspective. Otherwise, we're never going to have the ability to heal if we just think we can do it, whether we're healing sexual trauma mm-hmm. or any type of physical abuse or anything, right. emotional trauma without absolutely shifting your consciousness to what I call coherence. Okay. All right. And can you describe what do you mean by coherence or what, how would you define that? When I say coherence, I mean unity, consciousness, okay. unity, meaning your consciousness expands Mm-hmm. And it, it re-engages with the whole entire cosmic, or you want to call it God, whatever label is fine. Okay. But you expand your, it's like what the Tibetan monks are, are, have been doing all their lives. Right. Trying to expand their consciousness. However, it's not really fair because they're off in a monastery all of their lives right. doing that. Right. Try, try doing that in the middle of New York City. Okay. Right. That's an enlightened being. Right. So you expand your <laughs> consciousness, right? But you also have to 
sync it with your physical body. So there's that harmonization. So consciousness unity or consciousness coherence really means you can expand your consciousness to whatever level, but you need to still function in 3D reality. So that's what I mean by consciousness coherence. It's being awake and mindful, but being able to also navigate through life and be someone of service to humanity versus service to self. Okay. All right. That makes a lot of sense. I think this divide of spirituality and medicine is a very fairly recent phenomenon, especially in the last hundred years or so. Do you think that there are things happening in the world right now, perhaps that are calling people back to realizing that there is this enormous component that has been missing from what I'll call modern science and creating a bridge to get back to where spirituality and science don't have to be opposing things, but something that actually comes together that we can understand on a more scientific level. Yeah. I mean, they should have never been separated. Science and spirituality or science and consciousness have always been in union Mm -hmm. in, let's say, eternal life or or worlds that don't have the negativity that we have because we don't live in a perfect world let's just check that okay (laughs) if 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 we were in a perfect world jen we would be living we would be we wouldn't die we would not be experiencing death war disease Mm -hmm. even money the monetary system is a system that's an anunnaki based system that is a finite life system there should there shouldn't be that but okay we're here So my goal and my intention is to bring back the union of science Mm -hmm. and spirituality or consciousness, rather. I don't like spirituality. I like that. Yep. People get nuts when you start talking about spirituality. (laughs) But let's just talk consciousness because that in itself has never been defined, right? People talk about consciousness, but no one can ever define it. They could say, oh, well, it's a spirit or it's part of God. But when you're dealing with the true union of science and consciousness, what you're talking about is quantum morphogenetic science or quantum Mm -hmm. morphogenetic physics, which is the physics or the science of first creation process. Because God didn't just say, okay, I'm going to create the universe and boom, mm -mm. there is a specific... (laughs) mechanics of physics and science behind that. And most people, they just, I guess, don't care. Uh But I think it's important to understand. And, you know, both my parents are medical doctors. So they're on that. They were on on that other side where it was all about surgeries, pharmaceuticals, all of that, right? Mm -hmm. But then they started to realize the, let's say, the errors behind their medical foundation, then mm-hmm. it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Something had to change, right? So I'm lucky that both my parents, they started to see the errors and they started to move into holistic medicine. Even though my dad and mom are surgeons, they went back and self-taught uh-huh. themselves about nutrition. Because in medical school, you're lucky if you get one semester right. of nutrition. Are you kidding me? So it's starting to happen, you know, because doctors are certain doctors, certain scientists are starting to understand that it's not just about hard data, hard science. 
consciousness. I mean, you've heard stories about people spontaneously healing, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, Or you have multiple personality disorder individuals, 16 different personalities, 16 different health issues. Mm-hmm. One personality has yeah. cancer, one's blind. The other ones, they can see and they're not, they don't have cancer yeah. anymore. Yeah. Now, did you ever think about what's at play there? Yes, I have. <laughs> it's, okay, tell me. I think that especially the multiple personalities example you gave, it's just when you see physical things that change when the psyche or the mental part changes, I don't understand why that's not being studied more because that phenomenon in particular is so completely fascinating and can really make sense of the mind-body connection that is missing in most of Western sciences. Right. And people chalk it up to being crazy, right? They right. throw them into, into a psych ward and they just trank them up, right? They yeah. med them up. But if you really look at it, you're dealing with 16 different consciousnesses, mm-hmm. not just mental or mind. You're talking consciousness, different levels, right. different consciousness-based beings inside that one body. body. I mean, yeah. you know, one's a child, the other one's a 48-year-old man. Right. You know, so if you start to even just look at that, you can see how consciousness can affect the physical matter. So, I mean, science should start looking at that, really, if they want to at least do some good while they're here on this mm-hmm. planet. And I think there's a lot of doctors and scientists that maybe we just don't hear a lot about who really are delving into those things. But on a more systemic level, what do you think the problem is with, I mean, I kind of feel like there's this lack of curiosity that's just kind of died in the more Western model of things that I think we're seeing a little bit more resurgence of that now, but on a collective basis, I almost, I want to talk about the corporatization of, of medicine as being kind of like Walmart medicine at this point. Like there's so many conglomerates of hospitals and so forth that doctors have gotten inserted to. And I don't think that's what they thought they were signing up for when they went to medical school. I think the curiosity that they had as, as younger students has somehow gotten fizzled out or muted by way of the system that they've found themselves in. Well, you know, look, my mother, I mean, she graduated medical school and she was like 20. Okay. Mm-hmm. She was one of those phenoms. Mm-hmm. And, and for her, it was all about being a doctor, doing good in the world, you know, getting out of the Philippines and coming to the U S and, you know, uh, that American dream. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, but, you know, as years went by my mother and, and my father, they saw that, that the foundation, what they were taught doesn't really heal the body mm-hmm. now, but can you imagine someone, someone invests eight to 12 years of their lives. Okay. And their whole foundation is a foundation that doesn't work. I mean, that's like, right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what, what, how do I validate myself? I mean, has, has all of this been a waste or has this been, you know, so that's a big reason why a, a big reason why, a lot of scientists and doctors won't make that shift because they feel that their whole foundation will crumble. It's like it was built on quicksand and mm-hmm. they're sinking and they're not ready to shift their perspective or, or shift to a new paradigm. They're, they're stuck in their old paradigm and yeah. that's okay too. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. But those people that are stuck in that, that old paradigm, that Cartesian Darwinian 3d paradigm, 
I feel sorry for them when they leave their physical body mm-hmm. because they're not going to, they're going to be in fear. Mm-hmm. They're not going to know, you know, people don't prepare for death. Yeah. But Eastern traditions and Eastern, you have Eastern races, you have the indigenous tribes. They've always prepared for the greatest journey yeah. that your consciousness is going to take. And they weren't in fear. Yeah. But Western man doesn't talk about death because it's, it's taboo. Mm-hmm. And when they get to that threshold, they are locked in fear. Mm-hmm. That is what I definitely would not wish upon anyone because yeah. that fear locks their consciousness. Yeah. There won't be, they won't be free to have the free will choice and to make a decision on, okay, I've left my physical body. It was a very easy, it's like taking off your clothes and putting on new clothes. Mm-hmm. It was a very easy transition. Now, now what am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just add a little personal note. My, my father passed away in an ICU on a ventilator and so forth uh, about a year before COVID started. And that was an interesting experience for me to observe that. But I, I think one of my biggest takeaways was everything that was happening in that hospital was almost clouded under the ideology that death is the worst possible thing that could happen to anybody. And all the focus was maintained on or was focused on maintaining the mechanics of the body without much regard for that spiritual or consciousness journey that patients in the, in the hospital were going to. And I, I think that's almost one of the biggest problems we have in the more Western model of medicine is just that we need to recreate this relationship with death and understanding what that is and not regarding it as the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. You know, it's funny. And it was well said, well said. Everyone, when you go to sleep at night, it's like a mini death because Mm -hmm. your consciousness, your physical body goes into a rest mode. Okay. Mm -hmm. And your consciousness pops out and it leaves the physical body Mm -hmm. to a degree. And Every single night we experience a mini death with sleep. So if people just remember that and they just don't hit the hit the pillow and go to sleep, try staying awake as your physical body falls asleep. And this will prepare you. This little exercise will prepare someone yeah. for the transition yeah. when their when their time is coming. Absolutely. Wow. Hey there, I wanted to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about Muse Headbands. Body literacy is about creating total body, mind, and spiritual wellness. And nervous system fitness is the often overlooked foundation of holistic health. Muse is a brain-sensing neurofeedback headband that utilizes EEG technology that tracks your brain activity while you meditate and translates that activity into guiding sounds to help you quickly and efficiently strengthen your meditation practice so you can experience the full benefits of a calm mind. It's like going to the gym and having a personal trainer for your brain. Muse provides real-time feedback showing you how your heart, breath, and body respond during your meditation sessions. The headband connects to an app on your smartphone and uses real-time soundscape feedback to guide your focus so you can achieve your meditation goals faster while cultivating the mental and physical benefits of a fit nervous system. Meditation is scientifically proven to reduce stress and anxiety, decrease blood pressure, increase sleep quality, control pain, and elicit calm, 
while deactivating the fight or flight response that is a root cause for many mental and physical imbalances. Muse is your fast track biohacking tool to parasympathetic nervous system activation and a calm, peaceful mind. Just visit the Jen's Favorite Things link at jenmayo.com to order your Muse meditation headband. The products and links shared on this podcast help to make the Body Literacy Podcast possible and your support is always appreciated. So please be sure to use our links and promo codes so we can keep bringing you content to help upgrade your life. And now back to today's episode. What are your thoughts on, we we seem to be seeing kind of a resurgence or, or renaissance of psychedelics right now. What are your thoughts on those in sort of creating these more conscious aware experiences and relationships with that. Sure. And I come from firsthand experience. So okay. I, I, <laughs> I know what psychedelics do. Uh-huh. I know that, you know, a lot of people, when they do psychedelics, they're, they're in for the trip, you know, yeah. they want to see God or experience other realms and, or they need answers and psychedelics. What they do is they primarily open, they force, they blow open your higher DNA strands, okay, or your higher chakras, okay, without preparing your lower chakras or your lower DNA strands to accept or carry the weight of that higher oscillating frequency. Okay. So when you do psychedelics, it blows open your higher senses and your higher DNA strands, uh-huh. but it molecularly compacts your lower DNA strands. So it crushes it destroys or it compacts your lower DNA strands, the morphogenetic strands of your DNA, so that you either see things, people go crazy a little bit, they get afraid. Some people love it and some people right. you know, keep chasing the dragon. They keep chasing that experience with psychedelics when you don't need psychedelics at all. Yeah. You know, you just go, you know, a great. 12 pointed breathing technique or some eternal life meditation technique will help get you there. And it'll do it in a sequential order, meaning it'll open up your DNA strands in a sequential order so that your lower strands do not compact. Okay. All right. Does that make sense or no? Yeah, no, no, it does. And when you say morphogenetic, what does that mean? It means the form holding field, the energy field that is surrounding every single cell, atom, chromosome, organ, organ system, even our bodies. Everything has a scalar morphogenetic field surrounding that physical cell, and that holds the blueprint, the instructions for the creation of that cell, that organ, that plant, that animal, that star, that Mm -hmm. star system. So a morphogenetic field is a scalar morphogenetic field is very vital to your health and it's very vital to your consciousness. Okay. Okay. And what is scalar energy? Cause we're going to kind of go into the Rasha technology that you've developed. Yeah, sure. So everyone knows of electromagnetic, you have electrical, you have magnetic, you have light and you have sound, right? Okay. But Scalar energy is the potential for both. So light and sound, electrical and magnetic, are birthed from scalar energy. So scalar energy is the primordial substance 
of the cosmos. It's what God created the cosmos with. So everything is made out of scalar energy, okay? So again, scalar energy is the potential for electric or magnetic. It is a spherical, omnipolar, meaning no polarity, radiation unit that actually expands and contracts. It's a fission-fusion process, electrical, magnetic, light, sound. That is, I mean, the space between you and I is filled with scalar energy. Okay. All right. That makes sense? Yeah, I think so. And so you have this device, it's called the Rasha. And I had the opportunity to go and use one, as I mentioned earlier. And I talked to Dr. Vanessa afterwards and just kind of like probed her, like, what do you know, what, what normally happens when people use this? And she kind of explained that, you know, there's a lot of different experiences and it's kind of sculpted by maybe what background you're coming from. I think it's probably very difficult to describe to people. Certainly it's, it's a meditative experience. So I sat in this chair Mm. and put headphones on and then heard a series of sounds over the course Mm. of an hour. And there were like three different phases of that. But when I got to the last one, and for people who are listening, who maybe don't know what a chakra is or what the chakra system is, and I'll, I'll clarify that some people might think that sounds woo woo or, you know, very Eastern philosophy and they don't know what to do with it. Chakras are really just a language from the East that translates pretty well into Western scientific notions where we've got these ganglia or or nerve bundles at different places in the body that, you know, there's seven main ones starting your root chakra and going up to your crown chakra. When I got to the third phase of that, it was like my crown chakra was oscillating, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it was, there was this very, very distinct physical sensation, very specifically in that area of my head that I don't really know how to describe very well. It was almost to the point of being uncomfortable, but it was, it was so fascinating that obviously Mm. I just kind of stuck with it. And I had some other interesting changes after that physically the rest of the day. It was a really neat experience. I would love to do it again. It's it's not local for me, so that's probably not going to happen anytime soon, but I would definitely recommend it for anybody who's curious about it. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you developed that? And I think you have some influences, maybe even from Tesla and Rife technology and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So first of all, there's nine chakras in the body. Okay. 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 (laughs) Just to to correct you. All right. So the Rasha was designed, I designed it as a communication device to talk to your DNA. Okay. Okay. The whole impetus behind the Rasha was that I wanted to, because when I, when I went through the death experience, remember I had 24 hours of toxins in my body, drugs. Uh Yeah. But when I was rushed to the ER, my friend at the time resuscitated me, you know, thankfully, right. and I was rushed to the ER and I got to the ER. They did blood and urine drug panels mm-hmm. twice and no drugs, nothing Not in your one system, single drug in my body. Okay. So, you know, according to science, that's impossible. So right. really what happened, right? This is a question. And my, my, it's not even a theory. It's my direct cognition. It's my direct knowing that mm-hmm. higher oscillating frequency, right, mm-hmm. can absolutely transmute and transform higher 
vibrational, which is denser frequency, okay. in a nanosecond. So that's what I know happened. So I wanted to see if, well, it's not I wanted to, because I came back with this information. I came back with the plans for the Russia, but it if took many, many- This was that software upgrade. Amongst other things. Okay, okay. It was one of the, it was one of the let's say, data packets that I came back with, okay. zip files. And- that zip file for the Rasha came in and it took many years for me to not just download it, but to assimilate it and understand it. Cause I wasn't into science prior to my death experience. Okay. I wasn't into mathematics before that, but once I went through that experience, you know, math and science became like really second nature for me. Mm-hmm. So the Rasha was designed so that, I understood consciousness can affect the cells in the body. So I wanted to create a a technology that was consciousness-based that utilized scalar energy because scalar energy is the primordial substance of the cosmos. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be able to talk and communicate with the DNA, with the intron DNA, which is the 98% of the non-coding for protein genes, right? Okay. So I did a lot of due diligence and research and... I researched Tesla and his flat coil. I researched uh, Konstantin Meil, who, was a, his, who is a German physicist, that proved that the language of our DNA, our intron DNA, is the magnetic vector of a scalar field. That's how they communicate, not okay. biophotonically, which a lot of scientists think. So, yeah, I was like, okay. I brought in the, I downloaded the plans, the schematics, if you will, put it together. I went to a dear friend of mine who's no longer here on the planet, but he, he was a NASA quantum physicist and, you know, very brilliant man. And I went to him and I said, Hey, would this, you think this would work? Uh Yeah. And he said, possibly. Yeah. It looks like it's sound. And yeah, that's how, that's how it came about. The device it accesses, okay, it accesses the scalar field that's already here mm-hmm. and it actually creates a 12 foot in circumference, like say scalar energy bubble, if you will. Okay. And the client is usually with, within 12 feet of the Rasha. And that's how the DNA is communicated with through the Rasha. The okay. sounds through the headphones, that's for people so they, they can hear you know, they can feel the frequencies that are being sent. Okay. Otherwise, you don't, you don't even need the sound. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And I've heard you say before that we are the technology, which I really like that. It resonates with me, I guess. Whereas the, the device you're using is really just a tool that taps into the technology we already have in ourselves. Correct. Okay. Yes. Once we heal ourselves and once we reverse mutate a lot of what's what was done to us in the genetics portion. Yeah. But yeah, we we were meant to be organic, self-healing, materialization beings. That's okay. what we were meant to be. Super hominids. Yeah. But we're lucky we I mean we can't even heal ourselves, right. let alone materialize. I want to materialize a house. I want to materialize a better relationship. I want to materialize a better world. Mm-hmm. Right. We can't even do that. Yeah, yeah. So the Russia was designed to help unlock the potential in humans. 
Okay. And back to what you were saying about non-coding DNA, or I think what's been called junk DNA in modern science, you have a different take on that. And what is that? Well, it's potential DNA, really. Okay. It's not, it's not junk. It holds massive amounts of information that's mm-hmm. been disassembled, if you will. Mm-hmm. And you can simply connect to your intron DNA by going within really start to go within, focus your attention on what does even my potential DNA look like? What what, what is an intron DNA? People should start doing their due diligence and self-educating themselves on this 98% of, of our genes that are supposedly do nothing. Do you think God would make a mistake like that? Right, right. Right. It's just, it's just preposterous to think that God would make a mistake. Right. Like, Oh, I'm going to only allow two to three strands of your DNA to code for protein. And then their 98% is, is just junk. I don't think so. Right. Right. No. All right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I've really, I really resonated too with this concept of information medicine. And I think that kind of manifests in a number of different ways in in modern times. And I think that's kind of what you're talking here is we're not just talking about energy, but information that goes along with that. Absolutely. I mean, think about this. We are clouds, like literal spheres of information and energy. If you could see, if we could see, with not just our, our physical eyes, because we, we, we've relied so much on our five senses, but we've forgotten that we have other higher senses, right? Mm-hmm. So people just see physical bodies. They see a beautiful man. They see a beautiful woman. I see spheres of energy. Mm-hmm. And I notice what those spheres of energy are doing. Like if I go to a restaurant and I see a guy hitting on a girl at a bar, I don't see that. I see one sphere of energy trying to siphon the other one or engulf it. Mm-hmm. And if we could just shift our perspective to that, yeah, that's a win in, in my book. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Can you talk a little bit about stress and the role of stress and disease and how the Rasha helps with that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we all know that we, you know, the entire planet right now is fear locked, mm-hmm. right? And anxiety and fear for this new strain of COVID that supposedly is coming out and vaccination this and da, 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 da. So the whole planet is, is locked in fear, Mm -hmm. anxiety, and stress, Mm -hmm. right? That's what, let's say these powers that be want humans to be in because that state of fear and stress causes inflammation. Mm -hmm. Inflammation causes disease. It's that simple. So by, let's say, getting you into a state of relaxation by, let's say, hemi-syncing your left and right hemispheres of the brain through sound, through a base 12 frequencies, right? Mm -hmm. You then go from a state from fight or flight to a state of parasympathetic or a self-healing mode of the body. And that's very important. And that's one thing the Rasha does is, is get you to relax. Yeah, yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. It, I would definitely concur with that. You mentioned base 12. What does that mean? The mathematics, the science that we are taught in just from preschool up all the way uh-huh. to university level is a base 10 mathematics. Okay. Right. So, you know, we're monkeys. We evolved from monkeys and we have 10 digits. So, oh, we're going to count 
10. You know, that, that, that was the rationale behind that. But okay. really, really, the earlier, let's say, pre-ancient civilizations that were a lot smarter consciousness-wise and technology-wise than modern man, why is it they used a form of base 12 okay. mathematics, right? Uh-huh. That 12 is the key to perpetual energy mm-hmm. when you're dealing with physics, quantum physics, mm-hmm. and perpetual life, eternal life, when you, when you deal with the number 12. Yeah. And uh, that, that's a whole nother podcast. Okay. But, you know, <laughs> you, you, you can just look through history. Uh-huh. We weren't taught base 12, but certain scientists... German by the name of Burkhart Heim in the 70s, he studied base 12 and came up with a model for 12 dimensions of reality. Mm-hmm. There were other genius people back in the 1800s, like Tesla, by the way, mm-hmm. that said the key to the universe was 36912. He didn't say 369. Mm-hmm. They removed the 12 from what he said. Okay. And they did that purposely, they, meaning the powers that be, uh-huh. because when you start to research the power of 12, you have 12 gospels, 12 apostles, you have 12, you know, calendar years, you know, clock 12. But then why are we taught to count in tens and frac, you know, squaring by tens? It's, it, it is a confusion that these, these collectives wanted to set on humanity and never teach us about the power of 12 and a base 12 mathematics Uh is one that is self-perpetual perpetually regenerating and it doesn't feed energy off of other life forms like a base 10 fibonacci sequence okay the phi ratio golden mean fibonacci Yin Yang, it's all base 10 and it's all finite life, death, science, technologies. Okay. We may be getting a little bit above my pay grade here, but I, I'm mostly with you here. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. That's all good stuff. The immune system, I've heard you talk about before. I think maybe there's too much emphasis on us thinking that that's the healing potential of the body, but you say that's not really the case. It's not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Great. If you do, you're just, uh, you study biology, you know that the immune system, all it does is it goes after the invader cells, right? Mm -hmm. It goes after the foreign invader cells, which is, that's what it was meant to do. Mm -hmm. But like soldiers in a field, you know, you have the soldiers that kill, but they don't clean up the the, the battlefield. They don't heal. They don't do the war treaties, the peace treaties. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the immune system. Doesn't heal a damn thing. What heals the body is the cellular regenerative system, which is a scalar electromagnetic system of the body. It's that morphogenetic system, that morphogenetic field that mm-hmm. surrounds every cell, every atom, every organ organ system of the body. That's what heals. Mm-hmm. Why do you think medicine has been slow, or at least in the Western paradigm, to really start to gravitate towards the potential of energy and healing? Because their their way is not working. Mm. And people are starting to wake up and they're starting to realize. I mean, have you seen these ridiculous ads that pharmaceutical companies put about their quote unquote? <laughs> and then they'll say, oh, yeah, it does this, 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 and this. Oh, by the way, contraindications, it'll cause heart attacks, da, 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 da. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is just 
Like what? I mean, so people are starting to wake up and these scientists, doctors, they're starting to realize that, oh, we, you know, we're on the wrong side of this war and they're starting to realize it. But then you have those that are paid very, very, very generously by these big pharmaceutical companies. So they don't care. They'll mm-hmm. take the money. Those people are the traders. Those yeah. people are the betrayers of humanity. Plain yeah. and simple. All right. What can you tell me a little bit more about how epigenetics play into the role of the Rasha and quantum healing? Well, you know, epigenetics, it's not about the gene, right? The gene mm-hmm. only contributes so much, but epigenetics means above the gene, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning there's other factors that influence the genetics or that influence the human body. Like, for example, electromagnetic pollution, you know, cosmic radiation, chemtrails, you name it, right? All the toxins. So uh-huh. these type of epigenetic factors will cause the body to go into a state where it's susceptible to these invader cells. Mm-hmm. And the Rasha, all the Rasha does, it doesn't heal anything. Mm-hmm. doesn't. It communicates to the cell. So it's like if you if you have a war going on, right? And you're trying mm-hmm. to get information to your side, but you're on you're on the enemy side. You want to try to get information to your side so that it could turn the tide of the war. The Rasha does the same thing. It, it translates and transmits information to the cell, to the body. It's like, oh, guess what? There's cancer cells in your body. Everyone has cancer cells. Right. There is, it, you know, there's toxins in your body. Pretty much everyone has toxins. Right. But here's the information dear cell, so that in case, right, your immune system starts to fail and the war is taken to you, you will have the defense, you'll have the information, you'll have the schematics mm-hmm. to defend yourself, to mm-hmm. do something about it. So that's all the Rasha does. It just transmits new information into the cell. That's it. Mm-hmm. Is there a role that water plays in all of this? I know that you're, I think, friends with, is it Robert Slovak, who's really into the water stuff? Yeah, water's, well, water's pretty much everything, right? Yeah. Because we're 99.9% water molecules, okay? Yeah. So if your water is, let's say, contaminated, polluted, you might want to start drinking better water or you want to start creating healthier water in the body, in, in, in the cells. So yeah, w- water is everything. And, you know, I know that the Emoto Research Institute in 2019 did a study on the Rasha and what it does to the water okay. molecules in the body. And it's an amazing, it's amazing find. Let's just put it this way. And all the decades that they've been doing their, you know, water crystal pictures and, right. and et cetera, et cetera. They never saw the results that the Rasha produced. Yeah, that's interesting. Can we find the the results of that study somewhere? Probably not. You okay. probably have to. <laughs> that's need to know. And All if right, you need it. to know, then you'd contact you contact us and we would set up an NA and okay. case study to show you. Okay. All right. All right. Well, the Rasha is pretty fascinating, and I don't think it's really it's not something you can go on Amazon and buy. <laughs> can't even go on our website and buy it. So. Okay. You can't even go on your website and buy it. So, I mean, if people are interested in taking this for a ride and seeing what an experience with that is like, A, are they even able to 
do that in the U.S. or is it possible to purchase one from you or how does all that work? Well, you just reach out to us and we'll give you a location near you. Some of you don't have locations near you. I understand that. But yeah, go go onto our website and see what the locations are nearest to you. Okay. Contact that practitioner and then uh, we'll go from there, really. The okay. most important thing is to experience it, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has all been great. How do we find the Russia online? The T-H-E. Rasha, R-A-S-H-A dot com. Okay, great, so great. The Rasha dot com. All right, I will put that in the show notes as well. So we've got a direct link. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience in terms of quantum healing and the technologies that are on the, on the brink here? You know, look, first of all, I want to thank, you know, your listeners for, you know, joining us. Yeah. And look, I'm not asking you to believe a word I say, because that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> start, start doing your research, right? right. Start, you, some of the things I, we talked about, it may be over your head, but really, is it over your head if you're here listening to uh, your podcast, right? right. So right. You, everyone's here for a reason. And you know, if you think it's beyond your pay grade, it's not. Just do a little research and you'll see. Do you, I, I'll leave it on with this one last question. Do you feel like Spoken or verbal or even written language is sort of, I mean, it's certainly been a great tool in many capacities, but do you think that's gotten in the way of some of our more intuitive capacities um, over the last millennia or so? You know, our spoken language is is distorted, okay? Mm-hmm. There, there are distortions in our spoken language and our spoken word, plain and simple. People understood that we have the innate abilities to bypass just written and speaking by inner thought, inner yeah. sense, inner hearing, telepathy, intuition, things mm-hmm. of that nature. This right. is not woo-woo. This right. is actual, you know, just like the chakras, the chakras are our energetic nostrils of our body, okay? Mm-hmm. So, you know, th- we have higher sensory perception, but we're so phase-locked in the five senses because right. we're taught, oh, if you can't hear it, see it, touch it, then it must not exist. Yeah. You know, and that's completely erroneous. Yeah. I was just fumbling around on social media the other day. And one of the more holistic dentists that I follow was pointing out some study or, or discovery somewhere where they were suggesting that there used to be some sort of magnetic detecting sensory something in the skulls of, of humans, but mm-hmm. because our facial development has gotten so distorted with modern foods and so, so forth, those have disappeared. But I thought that was really, really fascinating. And mm-hmm. I love to look at animals in the wild and babies mm-hmm. and just see what is their true nature because they don't have the filters that the rest of us have turned on. And if we can kind of tune in to what their instincts are, I remember having a, a teacher in high school or something that said, oh, animals have instincts, but human beings don't. And even at that age, I thought that sounds ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, so there's something to be said about listening to that inner voice you know, entrusting experiential learning, um, not necessarily in lieu of, you know, more academic stuff, but I, I don't think it's an either or scenario. I think there's, there's room for both and both bring a lot to the table for us to advance as humans. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, Dr. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm excited to share this episode with our audience and I'll make sure to include some links in the show notes. So, well, thank you for having me and it was my pleasure and, you know, we can always do this again. All right. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Any statements and views expressed by myself or my guests are not medical advice. The opinions of guests are their own and the Body Literacy Podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. If you have a medical problem, please consult a qualified and competent medical professional. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Body Literacy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and sign up for updates over at genmayo.com. 